When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is Dynasty Portfolio Weekly, hosted by Scott Connor. Welcome back into the trading floor, another episode of Dynasty Portfolio Weekly. And this week, I'm going to talk about something that everybody wants to hear about. For a more comprehensive look at this same topic, join our Discord, destinationdevy.com or patreon.com backslash all gas. You get access to the Discord. And I'm going to do a little bit of a deeper dive in there, going through step-by-step of how to prepare for a new startup or just joining a new league. You may have picked up an orphan or you may have picked up a dispersal spot in a league where you are adding to your portfolio. And that is the key. That is the key. This is going to be solely focused on adding a new league to my portfolio. The one I'm going to do on the Discord is going to be more broad. It's not going to be specific to a portfolio. But here, I'm going to focus on some of the principles of adding a new league to my portfolio because there's another layer to it. I'm not only adding a new league and going to talk about how I prepare for that league, but also how does that help build out my portfolio. And I'll talk about that here in just a second where it changes if I have a portfolio of leagues and I'm adding a new one. So I'll just start with the first steps that I use when I go through and look at a new league. So obviously you're going to pull up the league. You're going to look at the basics. You're going to look at the rules. You're going to look at the roster setup, how many total roster spots, how many starters, some of the constraints, parameters, read the bylaws, try to get a handle on all of that. So a very broad look at the league. If someone asks you what kind of league it is, you would say, well, it's a two tight end league. It is this scoring nuance, something that stood out to me. Here are the rules. There's a taxi squad, whatever. The high level stuff that if someone asked a question on a DTI five stream, they would list out these couple things to let us know big picture what type of league it is. But how do I zoom in? So I then will go and start with the war tool, destinationdevy.com. You can pull it up. The Destination Devi War Machine. The first thing I click on is the three-year average war. You plug in your sleeper username, you pull up the league, and you go right to the three-year average war. And as you can see, this will give you a chart. It has each position color-coded, and I'll just take a look at the graph. And Ray and I are going to continue our war game series, kind of talking through how to do this more in depth, how to look at it for each position. But I start with this. I want to see the three-year average war. And what I'm looking for here, it's not so much where these lines are on the graph from each position. So it's not so much where the blue receiver line compares to the green running back line, where it intersects with the red or pink quarterback line. 
It's more so what does the line itself look like for each position? Where does it slope? Where is it flat? I want to get a handle on generally where the pockets of sameness or where the pockets of maybe potential positional advantage exist at each spot. So this is the first thing I look at, but this is only half the picture. This is just going to tell you, and if you pretend that you can view each one of these positions, which you can if you go over to the war charts by position, but if you just look at this screen, pretend like you're looking at each position by itself. Where does it steep? Where does it flatten off? I want to have an idea of the distribution of war for each position. So once I kind of have a basic view of what that is in my head, the second thing I want to do is then click on the My League Analytics tab. And when you go over there, you'll notice a bunch of numbers and you'll probably be sitting here going, okay, how do I interpret this? So this is the next thing that I have to look at. And I'm going to start at the top with the replacement level points per game for each position. And as it says, this is the weekly average points per game benchmark for replacement players at each position. Now, if you're in a super flex league, you obviously know that there can only be a quarterback that starts in each quarterback spot. And then at most, another one quarterback that starts in each super flex spot. So right there, it's going to tell you that once those are filled across the league, now think very balanced optimal roster construction across the league, meaning there's not one team that has seven of the top 10 quarterbacks. You get the point. If you're doing a brand new startup, this is going to be assumed because nobody has any players yet. So if you assume that, you look at just around what the replacement points per game is going to be for each position. And in this example, the roster construction series, and you can pull this up if you put in my sleeper name, Charles Chill FFB, pull up roster construction series. You can literally watch that or look at this via the war tool while you're listening to this episode, you will see that the replacement level points per game for quarterbacks is slightly higher than the other three positions, but it's pretty balanced. But what this section is really telling you is it's telling you the relative impact across position now. Remember, when you looked at the war graph, I had said, don't look at each color compared to the other on the graph because that doesn't tell the full story. What this will tell you is, okay, I know quarterbacks, replacement level QBs are going to generally score more than the other positions. So if you think about it from like a super flex perspective, the quarterbacks generally are going to score more in a lot of leagues than maybe a skill player that could end up hitting your super flex spot because they are eligible. A receiver can go in your super flex spot. But when you get down that far into the player pool, the replacement level QB is going to be higher than the skill positions in most formats. Now, if you see a league where the quarterback scoring is very depressed, then fine. You may see that skewed a little bit. But what this chart is telling you is that quarterbacks from just a sheer production, points per game, replacement level points per game, are scoring higher. And this is important to look at because if you were in a league where the quarterback scoring was really, really high, juice to the gills, Six point per passing touchdown, completion bonuses, first down bonuses, yardage bonuses. You can think of leagues where the quarterback scoring is extremely high. Uh, Scott Fishbowl from this past year, the quarterback scoring was pretty high. But if you looked at the war graph, what happens is depending on where those points are coming from, 
if they're coming from just sheer volume numbers, completions, first downs, things like that, generally you're going to see a flatter war line because it's not just going to boost up the players at the top. It's going to boost up the entire position. And if the entire position is boosted, you're still going to see a fairly flat war line, which is going to put it a little bit lower than the other positions. But then you click on this tab and you go, oh, okay, the replacement level QB points per game says 16.5 and everything else says 10. So right there, that is telling me that the quarterback, just from a sheer production standpoint, is still going to be the dominant position in my league. So that kind of gives you a snapshot of how valuable each position is compared to the other. And then you go down to the last two tabs on the My Leagues analytics page, and you will see the optimal league-wide super flex starters and optimal league-wide flex starters. And this is exactly what I've talked about the past couple years when it comes to tight end premium. This is how you measure something like your tight end premium. This is how you measure something like your running back point per carry. This tab. So the first thing you notice, optimal league-wide superflex. What does that mean? Well, you see the numbers. They add up to right around 12. And what is that? That is how many players across your league, so including all the teams, so in a 12-team league, if there's one superflex spot, generally there's going to be 12 players that hit those spots every week. There's going to be exactly 12, one on each team. And what is the player distribution historically using the war? And here in this example, you can see it's 11.9 quarterbacks. So right there, what that tells me is that almost every time, again, assuming fairly optimal construction for every team, one team does not have eight of the top 10 quarterbacks, like I was saying, a quarterback is going to be in the super flex if you're using best ball optimal scoring almost every single time. This basically says there's maybe one, two, three times a year where it's not going to be optimal. And you can think of those scenarios where maybe there's eight teams on a bye week or six teams on a bye week, and the QB 22 that week happens to score really low. Like, that's where you would find it, but it's rare. Even the lowest quarterbacks on the weeks are going to fill the super flex at a very, very alarming rate compared to the other positions. That is what this tab is telling you. So right there, if you see a number that's 11.5, 11.9, I've seen some where it's just 12, which basically means a quarterback is never not hitting the super flex if you're looking at the optimal. So this, again, is going to tell a similar story to what you see above with the replacement level points per game. This is going to basically tell you quarterback is still the dominant position in the super flex. So a takeaway would be you probably always want to have one there. Even if it's just replacement value, you want to have a quarterback in that spot compared to trying to fit another position in that spot. And then you go down one more tab, optimal league-wide flex starters. This is exactly what it sounds like. Same as the super flex, but it's what players occupy your flex spots. So in this format, we have three flex spots. It's a 12-team league, as you could guess. These numbers should add up to 36 or very close to 36. And what this is telling you, and this is where you really can kind of get a handle on those skill players, is this will tell you from a optimal standpoint, again, what types of players are hitting the flexes at what rate. So as you see, optimal starting running backs in the flex, nine. 
That's out of 36. So a takeaway would be about 25% of the time, is it optimal to have a running back in the flex? So how do you gauge running back scoring if you see that? Because everybody has to start too. So right there, you're talking about 24 running backs that are occupying starting spots. And then when you look at the three flexes, you're looking at about a 25% rate, 9 out of 36. Wide receivers, 14.7. That's actually lower. And the reason is because the tight end premium is boosted a little bit here in 1.75. So 14.7 out of 36. You can do the math on what the percentage is. What is that, 36%, something like that, where you're seeing the wide receivers in the flex spots? And then the tight ends, 12.3. So you're just over 33% of the time you're seeing tight ends hit the flex. And when I see numbers like that, that's fairly balanced, right? If you're looking at 25% running backs, you're looking at just over 36% for the wide receivers, and then you're looking at 33% of the time just over for the tight ends. So it's fairly balanced. So this is a way to really look at any imbalances at the non-quarterback positions. If you go into a league where it is just PPR scoring, start one tight end, which this roster construction series is, you'll see that tight end number very low. Very, very low. To the point where you're almost never seeing a tight end hit the flex. Just because they're not scoring enough. Once you've put in the top 12 or put the top 12 tight ends in the 12 starting tight end spots across the league, the next one up is never higher than the flex players that are available at running back and wide receiver. So this is what I use to measure the value of the premiums. So play around with these. This is one you can look up, but play around in some leagues where it's shallower. Play around in some leagues where it's really deep. Five flexes, six flexes. And see what that looks like from a distribution standpoint. That will give you kind of a roadmap to where if you say, all right, I don't know exactly what to pick, but I'm not drafting per se for value in my startup. I'm just looking for what could be the dominant position that could go in my flex. Say you're in a point per carry league or a tight end premium league. How aggressively do I want to go beyond the starters at those positions? And that can give you a little bit of a better idea from a roster construction standpoint. But more importantly, other people in your league will inherently realize stuff like this. And maybe they're not using this tool, but they're probably using something to go, ooh, the running back scoring here is juiced. Maybe I should value running backs a little bit more. Maybe they're more viable in the flexes. So definitely I use these tabs to get a handle on what my league is going to look like from a distribution standpoint, from a roster construction standpoint. Now this doesn't stray away necessarily from the roster construction series that I've done, because I'm literally going through that format. But what this will do, and now we'll shift over to the portfolio aspect of this, what this will do is if I add a league where maybe the tight end premium is 2.0 and that flex number is pretty high. Let's say that is a close to 50% flex number at tight end. What does that tell me? Well, I don't think it necessarily changes the market value unless everybody else understands that flex value, unless everybody else treats the tight ends that way. And that's one of the reasons that I did 1.75 for the roster construction series is because that seems to be the format where the rest of the league starts going, okay, I need to value the tight end a little bit more. And those flex numbers back that up. You know, 
33, 33.5% of the time, you're seeing a tight end in the flex when you have a start 11. Now, how do I use this from a portfolio perspective? For me, I play in leagues that are all over the map. I play in some leagues that have 15 starters. I play in some leagues that have 10 starters. I play in leagues with 0.33, 0.5 point per carry. I play in leagues with 2.25 tight end premium. Some of those are start two. Some of those are start three running backs. Some of those are start all flexes. There's a wide variety. And that is one of the ways that I diversify. I'll do a future show talking about maybe some of the roster ship percentages that I kind of want to stay at, depending on where the assets are. But it's not an exact science. I would be lying if I sat here and said that I have the golden rules for roster ship at certain positions. If I said my rule of not wanting to go over 25% of an elite asset, so we're talking a top 20, top 30 asset in Dynasty, that's just a rule that I kind of have in my head that I've lived by. There's no real science behind it. Ooh, I can't go over 25% on Jalen Hurts. Why? And maybe the reasoning would be, I want the value Jalen Hurts, but as soon as I get up to that roster ship percentage, I'm looking to shift that value to something else that's in the same tier. It's probably just a general de-risking myself strategy of one player that I would roster that high. But the way that I use different formats with a portfolio is to say, okay, I want to have maybe 10% of this tight end. But where do I have that tight end? Would I rather have that tight end on one of these teams where the tight end contribution is a little bit higher? Do I want to have that tight end on a roster where the tight ends don't matter that much, but maybe this one is a bigger difference maker from a war perspective? So it's using the format, especially when you're getting outside of the core starters. It's easy at the very top to say, okay, I have nine shares of Patrick Mahomes. Maybe in this startup, I'm not going to target him. Or if I'm in a position to get him, I'll trade down a spot. That's how I would play it at the top. But that's pretty easy. People generally know that. If they're picking in the first couple rounds where they think they're going to be able to kind of control what they get, it's much easier to say, yeah, I'm a little overweight on that elite asset. I'm going to trade out or I'm going to shift myself up or down so that I get a different player. But how do you play it when you get a little bit deeper into the flex spots? And that's where I really want to start aligning the extra roster ship that I'm carrying because I'm willing to also abandon that 25% a little bit. I'm willing to go 50% or more on players that have like third round value or less. We get closer to rookie draft time. I'll kind of talk through my later round draft theory and what I want to do with those picks. And I get the question sometimes, is it better if you're in a portfolio of leagues to draft a bunch of shares of one or two players? Like I have 25 leagues. Should I draft this running back in the fourth round in 15 of them? Or with all my third and fourth round picks, shy of not making them and trading them for future picks, am I better off taking a bunch of different players? One or two shares of 10 players in that tier instead of 15 shares of one player in that tier. And there's a theory behind both methodologies depending on what your goal is. For purposes of this, when I get into the flex ranges, what I really want to try to do is align some of the extra shares of veteran running backs that I get in the formats where it makes sense. That's where I want to diversify. 
it's easier said than done because I gave the tight end example where there are certain formats where tight end, you would say, does not matter. What you really mean there is tight end doesn't matter after a very high bar, after a very high threshold. There's no tight end premium. I'm not drafting a second top 10 tight end so I can put him in the flex like I might have if it's 1.75 or 2 PPR. But the idea meaning I want to align the assets in the right format. And you can think outside the box on that, and I'll leave the episode uh, thinking about this topic. What does that mean to you? What does that truly mean to you? Because I don't think a lot of portfolio players think about this. They just think about how many total shares do I have? But you go a step further and you start looking through your portfolio and you can use tons of different sites. I still track mine for now on a spreadsheet. But I'll look at a player and I go, okay, where do I have those four shares of that player? Are they aligned with the format? And that's how I diversify, at least if I'm starting a new league with my portfolio. I try to identify some of the things that that league analytics will tell me and go, okay, if I'm going to draft another share of this random running back or this random tight end or this backup QB, does it align with the format and the scoring that I'm trying to go for with this new league? And I think there's some extrinsic value in this concept that we don't see, that you can't measure. It's like everybody could have this same portfolio, but then you look at, okay, are a lot of the players I have within the portfolio aligned with the formats? Am I not carrying that third good tight end in a league where the third tight end doesn't matter that much? I'll give a quick example and then I'll end it. A guy like Evan Ingram, really good tight end, top five tight end last year, probably somewhere between tight end six and tight end 12 in Dynasty but probably not optimal to have one of your three shares of Evan Ingram in a start one, one PPR league where I already also have Trey McBride. So it counts that I have a share of Evan Ingram, but I would look at it and I would say it may not be aligned with the best spot to have it. And sometimes once you're in that spot, it's really hard to get out of it. So then a way to pivot would be, okay, I can't get anything for Evan Ingram because of course the league doesn't value him there. But you know who they do value? Trey McBride. Maybe I can move him for something different and I just slot Ingram into a spot now where he's my starter in that mundane tight end league. And now it's more aligned because I know I have him in that league already. I can't move him, but now he's more important to my roster construction. So that's how you think about a new league adding to a portfolio and aligning the assets appropriately. Hopefully this helped everybody. Again, there's going to be a deeper dive that I do in the Discord, kind of a lesson on going through a new league. We'll use some examples and I'll walk through my exact process. There's some other tools that I'll use that are not on the website that I've created over the years. And maybe it's more of just glance at them to make sure that what I'm seeing uh, is reaffirming uh, when I use some of these other things, but we'll talk about that. So join the Discord, DestinationDebbie.com. The Destination Chill tier gets you access to everything including the Heisman voice chat, Ray's film sessions that he does once a week where he's literally sitting down with everybody in the Discord, going through film, answering questions, the bonus podcasts that go on the Patreon feed, the AMAs inside the Discord that we do, and then early access to a lot of content that we're putting out here on YouTube. So get access to that, destinationdevy.com, patreon.com backslash all gas, and we'll go ahead and sign off from the trading floor.